0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you uh, this morning. You glad to be here today? All right, man. Me too. Hey, get your Bibles out and open them up to Luke chapter 24. It's where we're going to be today. Luke uh, chapter 24. That's going to be our spot to study this morning. You know, college years were really transformational for my life and Liz's life uh, in a lot of ways, in in many in many many ways, but especially spiritually, we went to a small church that was not very far from the college campus that we attended, and we really plugged in there. We found a, a group of people that we could do life with, and there were some young adults that were they were really old. They were like in their thirties, you know, and um, and they were working with college kids, and so. They would have us over to our house, after uh, over to their house, and we would do Bible studies, and 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 they just invested in our life. In fact, it was during that time that Liz got into a Bible study and really, for the first time, really dug into God's Word. Uh, she had always kind of grown up grown up in church, always obviously believed in God, but had never really really dug into the Word of God. And through that Bible study, God was just dealing with her heart. I mean, just just revealing new thing after new thing. I remember we were walking back to her dorm room after one of those Bible studies, and she said, Craig, I don't think I've ever given my life to Christ. And I said, uh, why do you think that? And she shared with me what she was studying out of the Word. She said, I just feel like I need to, I need to give my life to Jesus. And, and I said, all right, well, let's do that. And so I got to lead her to Christ on, right in front of her dorm room there uh, on the Tech campus. It was just transformational. Uh, that same group of people, they started investing in me, and they said, "Okay, Craig, we're going to teach you how to lead a Bible study." I'm like, "Man, I have never led a Bible study. I don't know what I'm supposed to do." And so they gave me here's here's a here's a concordance, and I taught me how to use it to look up verses and cross references. Never heard of that before, and how to do a Greek word study and all. that. I learned all this stuff with these little tools they gave me, and they said, "You're up next week." And so I be scared and i led a bible study and then they would kind of critique it and help me i mean this was transformational for us out of that church there was a call to ministry and god just moved in, in such a great way and i'm so thankful for that church that church didn't have anything really attractive about it, okay they didn't have a great band all right there was like no great band the the, the preaching was average at best the facilities was subpar I mean, there was nothing attractive about it. All we had were a group of people that loved Jesus, an open Bible, and the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts. And that's all we needed. That's all we needed. And, and I really have come to the point of realizing that, that Jesus moves in our hearts when we gather together in community around God's Word. That's where transformation happens. And that's what I want to talk about today. Why being in a group around the Word of God is where God intersects our life, where the Holy Spirit begins to move in our life. Why Jesus shows up in those moments. Uh, it, it's important because, listen, we're living in a culture now that, that the, the attention to God's Word is waning. It's drifting. Okay? I, I saw a survey recently that kind of got my attention. I'll just go ahead and put it up here on the screen. From 1991 to 2009, 46% of adults read the Bible once a week or more. So that's a lot of adults reading the Bible at least once a week. Today, one-third of Americans read the Bible weekly, but it's weighted more toward the older group. Elders, 49% still read it weekly. Millennials, only 24%. So you're seeing the successive generations reading the Bible less and less and less. You say, well, Craig, why does that matter? Well, for obvious reasons, the more you read God's Word, then the more you know truth. The more you know who God is. But also, researchers have discovered that the greater exposure you have to the Word of God, the greater your spiritual growth. And and the less exposure you have to the Word of God, the less people tend to grow spiritually. And so if you want to grow, if you want to become the person God created you to be, a big part of that is knowing and studying God's Word. And you say, well, okay, well, I, I may give you that one, but I can study the Bible on my own. I mean, I got this Bible app on my phone and I can, I can listen to podcasts and sermons on my tablet. I don't need anybody around me. And that's true. You can do that on your own. But Jesus knew that when you gathered around with a group of people, that there was something dynamic that happened, that happens in that space. In fact, In Luke 24, what we're going to find is Jesus coming alongside a group of unsuspecting believers and opening up the Scripture to them and how it changed them. And that's what God wants to do in your life and in my life too. So let's dive into it. Luke chapter 24, and uh, let's just begin uh, at verse 13. If you're with me, say amen. All right, this is the Word of God. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk alongside them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you were walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. One of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? He asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came report it that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, How foolish and slow are you to believe all the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I mean, you get this. These two guys are walking to Emmaus. It's on Easter Sunday morning or I guess Easter Sunday afternoon now. And they're walking and they're talking about this whole thing about Jesus and how he was crucified and now they can't find his body. And Jesus just comes alongside them. They don't recognize him. And he's like, what's going on? Is there, you're the only guy that doesn't know this? And so they start telling him all these things. And I love how Jesus responds in verse 27. He goes, why are you so slow to understand what the Bible's been telling you all along? And it says he opened up the Scripture, and beginning with Moses, any reference to Moses is always the Old Testament Torah, right? The first five books of the, of the Old Testament. And beginning with the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and all the prophets, Jesus just unfolded every single one that told them about him. Wouldn't you love to have been in that Bible study, huh? But that's pretty amazing. And it was this Bible study, you're going to see later, that transformed their lives. Listen, I believe that when we gather around an open Bible as believers, Jesus shows up, and Jesus opens our eyes to see who He is. You know, Jesus was passionate about the Scriptures. Many times, you don't we don't think about this, but Jesus had a deep love for the Scriptures. A lot of people think that just because Jesus was the Son of God, that He kind of was downloaded all the Bible knowledge, you know, beep, in, in infancy, you know, when He was right there in the, in, in the crib right and he just knew it all no 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 he actually had to learn it just like you do just like i do every jewish boy would be trained in the synagogue he'd be trained in the torah the first 5 books of the old testament he had to memorize a great majority of that at his 12th year he would have to answer and be questioned by the pharisees we actually see that happening with jesus in luke chapter 2 when he and his family went up to jerusalem and they found him in the in the temple being questioned by the religious leaders. Jesus had a love for the scriptures. He gave himself to studying the scriptures. In fact, what we find throughout his ministry is that he quoted the scriptures over 80 times in 70 different passages. So Jesus had a wealth of knowledge about the scriptures and a deep love for the Bible. In fact, Jesus believed that the scriptures, get this, were trustworthy. Now listen, if Jesus believed that the Scriptures were trustworthy, then we should believe that the Scriptures are trustworthy. If Jesus loved the Scriptures, then we should love the Scripture. If Jesus studied the Word of God, then how much more should we be studying the Word of God? Amen? And so, what we find here is that Jesus had this deep love. And in fact, Jesus taught some important things about the Bible that should motivate us to study God's Word. So, I want to give you five things that Jesus taught about the Scriptures. All right? If you're taking notes, I want you to jot these five things down. I'm going to go through the first three pretty fast because I really want to land on the last two. Okay? So, five things that Jesus taught us about the Scriptures. By the way, I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture references today. So if you like, oh, I missed that one, it's all in the notes. If you go to the app and then the sermon notes, all that is there uh, for you. Okay, five things Jesus taught us about the Scripture. Number one, Jesus taught us that the Scriptures are divinely inspired. That the Scriptures are divinely inspired. That the Word of God are literally the words of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, we're reading Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. And in his temptation, he turns to Satan and he says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's referencing Scripture here. That the Scriptures come from the very mouth of God. Now this idea that the Scriptures are the words of God was Uh, spoken by Christ, but then reinstated again in 2 Timothy 3.16, where the Apostle Paul says, all Scripture is inspired by God. Literally means the breath of God, the words of God. That the Scriptures have God as its source and God as its origin. In fact, Jesus went on to say this in, in Matthew 5. He said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Isn't that beautiful? He said that there's something eternal about the Word of God, that not one thing in this book is going to pass away until all of it has been completed, Till there's a new heaven and a new earth and we're with God completely and eternally. It, they, until that time, this scripture will remain. So he understood. He, Jesus had this high view of the scripture. Yeah, you know, we have today this low view of the scripture. Well, that's probably not what he meant. That's not probably what he said. And through all kinds of reasoning, we can scrap this and we can take this out and we can question that and we can question this. Jesus never did that. Not once. Jesus had a high view of scripture that believed it was from God and it would it had an eternal impact and would last until all things were accomplished second thing we learn about this, Jesus taught that the scriptures were historically accurate. That the scriptures were historically accurate. In fact, he referred to several uh, people, several groups of people and places, and referred to them as historical figures. For example, Jesus referred to Adam and Eve in Matthew 19. He referred to Jonah and the sea creature in Matthew 12. He referred to Noah and the flood in Matthew 24. And that's not all. He referred to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Matthew 8, Sodom and Gomorrah in Matthew 10, the prophet Daniel in Matthew 24, the prophet Zechariah in Luke chapter 11, to Moses in John chapter 3. And every single one of these people, he mentioned them not as if they were allegory or mythology but he mentioned them as actual historical people and places. So now listen, if Jesus believed that these were actual people, then so should we. Well, part of my great confidence in the Old Testament, the preservation of the Old Testament, is not in archaeology, even though that gives me great confidence. It's not in... uh, uh, the way the Scriptures have been transferred, which gives me great confidence. But my greatest confidence is that Jesus understood that. And Jesus believed that. And if he believed they were historically accurate, then you and I should believe the same. The third thing we learn that Jesus taught is that Jesus taught that the Scriptures were prophetically true. They're prophetically true. In other words, that the Scripture is unique in that it foretells the future. And then it's, it comes through with, with the fulfillment of that scripture. You look and multiple times in the Old Testament, a prophet would say X is going to happen, and then sure enough, X would happen. And this happened over and over and over, especially when it comes to the Messiah, that Jesus understood that the prophecies of Daniel, the prophecies of Isaiah that were pointing to the Messiah were eventually going to be fulfilled through him. When he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told the crowd with clubs and and torches and swords. He said, all this has happened so that the writings of the prophet would be fulfilled. He was fulfilling every prophecy. After his death and resurrection, he appears to his disciples in a closed upper room. And they're in shock. And Jesus said to them, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In other words, he said, all these things that have been prophesied all these years, all are going to be fulfilled in me. I love what he said in John chapter 10. He said, the scriptures cannot be broken. The scriptures cannot be broken. So Jesus understood that these scriptures are important this high view of the Bible. It's divinely inspired. It's historically accurate. It it is prophetically true in every single way. Let me give you number four. Jesus taught that the Scriptures were singularly focused. Singularly focused. In other words, that all the Scriptures have one primary theme and one primary message. And you say, well, what is that? It is the glory of God in saving sinners through Christ. that's That's the whole message of the Bible. The glory of God in saving sinners through Christ. That's the theme that runs all the way through the Bible. You know, a lot of people think, well, the, the Bible is just kind of these old, ancient, dusty documents. They're all kind of ragtag documents that were thrown together. And part of that is true. The Bible is actually a library of 66 books. You already know that. Some of you may not. It's actually wasn't written by some guy that went out in the woods and decided to write the Bible. All right? In fact, uh, this scripture was put together by 40 different authors fit over a span of 1,500 years in three different languages, on three different continents and yet how do you explain that in all that diversity and over all that time and all those various cultures that there is one single thread that runs all the way through the scripture and that is the glory of God and the prophetic coming of Christ to save sinners that is the single message of the Bible and that's really what Jesus pointed to back in our story look at verse uh, 27 in Luke 24, it says he, beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Jesus said, all this was written down about me. It was all pointing to me. On another occasion, Jesus told the religious leaders, I love this, in John chapter 5, he said, you pour over the scriptures because you think that you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. (laughs) In other words, you think you can be saved because you know all this, but you're missing the point that all this is about me. It all points to me from beginning to end. It's all about me. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it again in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, for we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but we are fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household, get this, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. In other words, this church that God is building, the foundation is laid by the apostles and the prophets, but Jesus is the cornerstone. It's all built around him. He is a central figure. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ from beginning to end. Listen, this is a powerful, powerful truth that every book of the Bible points to Jesus in Genesis he is the seed of the woman who was crushed who would crush the serpent's head in Exodus he is the Passover lamb in Leviticus he is our high priest in Numbers he is the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night in Deuteronomy he is a prophet like Moses it's all about Jesus. In Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army. In judges, he is our judge. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he is the descendant of David. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. It's all about Jesus. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of everything that is broken. In Esther, he is Mordecai standing at the gate. In Psalms, he is our uh, a shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning in life. In Song of Solomon, he is our loving bridegroom. It's all about Jesus. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, in Lamentations, he's a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he's a fourth man standing in a fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is our faithful husband. In Joel, he is the outpour of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, our savior. In Jonah, our prophet. In Micah, our ruler from Bethlehem. In Nahum, he is our stronghold. Habakkuk, he's our watchman. In Zephaniah, he is the one mighty to save. In Haggai, he is our restorer. In Zechariah, he's the branch of David. And in Malachi, he is a son of righteousness with healing in his wings. It's all about Jesus. In Matthew, he's the king of the Jews. In Mark, he is a miracle worker. In Luke, he's a baby in a manger. In John, he is the living word. In Acts, he is the ascended Lord. In Romans, he's our justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, our resurrection. In Galatians, he is our liberty. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy. And in Colossians, he's the one that holds all things together. It's all about Jesus. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's our coming King. In First and Second Timothy, he's our mediator. In Philemon, he is our benefactor. In Titus, our blessed hope. In Hebrews, he is our perfection. In James, he is the power behind our faith. In 1 and 2 Peter, he is our chief shepherd. In First and Second and Third John, he is a truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith. In Revelation, he is a king of kings, and he is a Lord of lords. It is all about Jesus from beginning to end. It is all about him. Listen, when you take this book and you open it up, you're reading about Christ. You're loving Christ. You're worshiping Christ. The reason why every Sunday I get up and I say, Get your Bible out and open it up is because it's all about Jesus. The reason why we beg you to get into a group is be- and study it because it's all about Jesus. But let me give you one more reason why we should study what Jesus taught about the Scripture. Jesus taught that the Scriptures, are completely life-changing. They're completely life-changing. I want you to look at verse 28 of our story. Look at verse 28. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going further. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts burn? When he explained the scriptures, our hearts burned within us. Listen, our hearts still burn today, don't they? Our hearts still burn. Our hearts burn when we open up the pages of this book and we read of a God who created the world and created us in his image. That loved us with an everlasting love. Our hearts burn when we read of our sinfulness that for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Our hearts burn within us when we hear that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our hearts burn within us. Our hearts burn when we hear and we read Jesus saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Our hearts burn when we read in John 5 that Jesus said, those that the Father will give me will will come to me and I will never cast them out. And I can remember as a young boy singing a church service just like this one when the pastor was preaching the gospel and my heart burned. My heart burned within me because I needed to know Jesus. That night that I was Walking Liz back to her dorm room after that Bible story, her heart was burning. And she said, "I need to know Christ." And maybe today your heart is burning. Maybe for the first time, you've realized that, oh, you know a lot about God, but you've never given your life to Him, that you know a lot of things about Him, but you do not know Him. And right now your heart is burning, and that is the Holy Spirit convicting you saying, "Now is the time." to come to Christ our hearts burn when we hear the gospel our hearts burn when we grow I don't know how many times that I've studied God's word and man I just have to push away from the table because my heart is burning right sometimes it burns out of conviction right when, when I realize that my life is not in alignment with God's word, and sometimes you'll hear the word and you'll say, Pastor, that was for me. No, that's the Holy Spirit taking that word and putting it right to your heart. He's burning within your heart to turn from sinful things and to fully follow Jesus. Your heart burns within you. That's why Jesus said in, in John 17, he prayed in John 17, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart with your word. God set them apart with the sword of your word. This sword is living and active. a sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates into your heart. It divides between soul and marrow. Joints and spirit it exposes the heart of, our, of mankind. And, and Right now, maybe, God's penetrating and burning your heart. But listen, our hearts also burn when we gather with other believers. And we open up the word of God. It says when they were together, they said, Our eyes were open. They said, Didn't our heart burn as he taught the scriptures to us? It wasn't just individuals. There was something about this group of people gathered around the truth of God's word that Jesus showed up. And I believe that same thing happens today that Jesus moves in our hearts when we together in community gather around an open Bible and we say, God, burn our hearts. Burn our hearts. me ask you something. Is God moving in your heart today? If it is, he's speaking to you. Maybe you need to be in a group. It's been a long time since you've been in a Bible study and actually studied the word of God. Maybe you need to change some things in your life that even now the Spirit of God's convict you. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Nobody moving around. You've heard the gospel this morning that you were created to know Him in a deep and personal way, but we have sinned against God. We have gone our own way. We have lost our way. We are helplessly lost. And when Jesus sees you, he sees you, and he loves you. He sees you as you are. He sees you as hurting and broken, as wayward and far from him. And he came for you. He died for you. That you could be right with him. The Bible says he went to a cross and paid for your sin fully and completely that day at Calvary. He was buried on the third day. He rose again, and he offers new life and new hope and new beginnings to anyone who will come to him. And maybe this day is your day to say yes to Jesus. Say, Lord, my heart's burning within me. I cannot leave this place until I know you. Then, with your heads bowed, if that's you, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of faith right where you're seated. If that's you, then I want you to just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Just lift up your hand where I can see it. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ, all right, thank you. Thank you. Pastor, all right, thank you. Lift it up where I can see it. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus, thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you, I see you. Anybody else, lift up your hand right now. Your heart's burning within you. Lift up your, lift up your hand. I, today I need Christ. I'm gonna, I need to make this right with God. I need to be made new. I need Jesus, Pastor. Help me. Pray for me. Lift up your hand right now. Anybody else? Several hands. Anybody else? We're waiting on you. All right. You put your hands down now. Just right where you're seated. Just pray this simple prayer with me, dear Father. I know that I've sinned against you. And I've gone my own way. But I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. And I believe he's the only one that can save me. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Make me a new person. I turn from my old way of life And I choose to follow you Jesus Thank you for loving me Thank you for opening my eyes to your truth Thank you for your grace in my life Father I thank you for your word today Lord, our hearts burn within us. Thank you for the high view of Scripture that Jesus had. And Lord, I pray that we would be like Jesus and hold your word precious. Lord, that we would truly be people of the book, people that spend time in your word every day, people that meditate on your word, people that try to align our life to your truth, people that savor every bit of it because it, tells us about our Savior who loves us. Oh, Lord, use us this week. Oh, Lord, draw us close to you this week. Lord, make us mirror that brightly reflect your glory. As we go back to our work, as we go back to our routine, Lord Jesus, be the center of our life around which everything revolves pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.